0: chapter twenty-one of entrapped by alice mangoldeel this librivox recording is in the public domain at first the agitated girl walked leisurely along the graveled path under the arches which would soon be covered with climbing roses already the tiny green leaves disclosed buds which waxed daily plumper but as she distanced the gabled house and turning a corner was shielded by a little grove of conifers from any possible prying eyes she literally took to her heels and ran along the grass walk to the arbour like a young fawn there she flung herself into a basket chair tore open her cousin's letter with feverish haste and read zoe while you were in such a cruel position i could not tell you of that which would pain you now as you are in england i have to do so that you may regard the Grange as a hiding-place until I have succeeded in proving your absolute innocence of your uncle and my father's death by poison. If you had not been shielded by your doctor, you might have been arrested and charged with murder, for a glass containing traces of the poison which caused his death was found under your window, in a position where it could only have been if thrown from that window, and brought to him. Convinced of your integrity, that good man, Dr. Bird, changed that glass for another. It was a daring, desperate act born of chivalry. Although even this was done to shield you, public feeling has been excited, and both you and my poor father's adopted son are suspected. I am now about to prove both your innocence and his. I, and I alone, can explain how, why, and when my father died. This is the first grave topic I have to write you about. The second concerns you and myself alone. Zoe, I love you. I loved you at first sight. I never loved before. I shall never love again. But I have determined not to ask you to marry me. I have watched you narrowly, continuously. Yours is an emotional, therefore a vacillating temperament. You are exquisitely beautiful, and men will flock about you as wasps about an open jar of honey you think you like me i know that but we met when you were in an exceptional position neglected by a man who was your husband in name but not in reality your clinging to my sympathy meant nothing under the circumstances i have determined not to offer myself to you as your husband although to possess you as my beloved and cherished wife is the one and only thing i wish and crave for i only say this if you care for me sufficiently to marry me the one word come written or wired will bring me and for that word from you i am content to wait patiently until the word is said by another my god and lord at death meanwhile under no position in your regard but that of your betrothed husband called to you by your own will unaided and unbiased, will i ever look upon you again yours for ever andrew quarles stunned and sickened by the first awful sentences of the letter zoe hardly grasped the remainder of its contents seated staring vacantly at the green grass at the laurels hardly knowing where she was that dreadful day of her uncle's death seemed to return from the past and confront her his senile rage when she would not consent to give up all idea of marriage with his adopted son his horrible grotesque appearance as his pale eyes like spots of fire in his shrunken face he shook his trembling clenched attenuated fist at her and shrieked in that weird toneless voice of dying age i will be revenged you will remember me my girl i tell you that how often those lost words of his a climax to his vituperative denunciation of her dead parents had echoed in her ears between sleeping and waking bringing a vague terror to her soul forcing the chill sweat from her young body that medicine-glass found under her window have been flung there by him it was true that he was weak that day but not too weak to open his window and throw a glass first primed with drops of the poison which killed him among the bushes under her windows what a hideous idea to have she told herself how can i suspect the poor old man of such a wicked thing no it was some hateful chance but how terrible to be suspected of such a crime If quarles had skilfully planned a counter-shock to that she had received to find herself betrayed as andrew had betrayed her he could not have been more successful in the overpowering anguish of finding herself suspected of at least complicity in her uncle's death her mock marriage became a secondary trouble horror at being thought so base braced nerved her roused the fighting instincts that are the basis of all natures however weak and frail after the first numbness and the consequent agony of mind as it passed away had come and gone zoe was really another creature a being more like the brave cheerful girl whose only fault was an extra bold and independent spirit and who had been the popular young governess at Newnham house she read quarles's letter calmly deliberately several times then she soberly thought about its contents Her overpowering desire was to rush wildly off to the place where she had been maligned, to assert her innocence in some public way. This she resolutely repressed. No, she told herself, let him do as he says, clear both myself and that poor, miserable wretch. She closed her eyes and gave a slight shudder of inward loathing and disgust as she remembered the man she had believed to be her husband. Men must work, women must weep. I will not weep over my troubles but i will bear them and alone how could he think that after i had been trodden under foot in the dirt i would marry him not only marry him but ask him to marry me how low his opinion is of me he has been very good kind noble but i will be dead to him from this very hour and he shall be dead to me braced by the ascetic sternness of her idea she paced the grass walk backwards and forwards, up and down, nerving herself for her monotonous future. How dreary it would be when she shut Andrew out of her life she well knew, as deliberately and coolly as if she were an architect mentally sketching the initial plans of his future dwelling. He said I must begin life again as Zoe Blount here, she said with a pale smile. I will not only begin it, but go on with it until I am as prim an old maid as godmother, and shall meet him, perhaps, as a doddering, grey-haired old man, boring people with anecdotes of his grandchildren however even that thought of him melted her her eyes smarted with rising tears it was necessary to use the cautery to this absurd passion of hers this deep yearning for him must be cut out like some deadly cancer she read the letter again with the distrust and suspicion of an enemy and found that it could be read as one of the most subtly planned dismissals of a friend or lover ever conceived by an unscrupulous diplomatist of daily life the woman who could marry him on those terms would be the lowest of her sex would not have a rag of self-respect left she told herself he is not the true knight i thought him it was a pose i have done with him and with the whole of his sex fortunately no man except godmother's doctor and parson would care to come to redwood grange and with this feeling as her staff and support she returned to the house clothed and in her right mind as she termed it to herself to begin an entirely new life chapter twenty one